dragon. And that dragon had a rider. And that rider's name was Cowboy Ninja. Welcome to episode 11 of, you better believe it, it's 11, right? It's 11 or 12. Uh, today we are talking about the 2004 anime Dead Leaves by Hiroyuki Imaishi. Good Lord Nate Rigoli, what's going on in Dead Leaves? <laughs> uh, well, I, I poured some Four loco and... Uh... And five-hour energy into a syringe and shot it directly into my eyeball, and I'm still less uh, confused than after watching this movie. I don't want to put this out on Front Street, but this might be like my favorite animated movie ever. <laughs> Is it really? You really, you really dug it. Good. Uh, okay. I watched it twice. Oh, um, nice. No, no. I mean, Enter the Spider Verse is still my favorite animated movie, and Paprika was a better movie. But we'll get into it. Uh, there's something that really resonated with me about this, and I'm having a hard time putting my finger on, but maybe we can kind of figure it out as we go. I, I, I think it's like, uh, this movie has an unrepentant sort of punk aesthetic to it. You know, you took exactly the words right out of my mouth. I talk about the movie Repo Man a lot. It's one of my favorite movies, the Alex Cox movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm familiar. Um, and it's the same kind of thing. It's like just punk rock, just as fuck. Yeah, and yeah. This this movie is just a constant middle finger. Yeah, and when it's not a middle finger, it's a it's an erection. I had never heard of this movie until this year. Uh, my buddy Gogs and I went to the Charles, which is kind of like the local art house theater in Baltimore. The kind of the kind of punk art house theater, not like the fancy pants art house theater. I'm sure you have something similar in Denver. Yeah, yeah. We've got we've got our, our landmark uh, theaters, and then we've got the there's there's a couple other smaller ones that show weirder stuff. Yeah, this place was like a converted firehouse, and like it's where all the hipsters go, and the, um, they have all the repertory screenings. It's there, and there's a place called the Senator, which is uh, on the outskirts of Baltimore, but they're owned by the same company. But like, you know, they'll do repertories for like Big Trouble in Little China. But I also saw Touch of Evil at one of those theaters, so they they're kind of all over the place. 
Oh, yeah. Gogs and I, in February or late January, saw You Were Never Really Here. And, Great movie. Oh, yeah, fantastic. And they um, they had, like, a promo trailer for... They have an anime night, and this was one of the ones on there. I'm like, what in the fuck is that? And then I couldn't remember what it was called forever, so I'm, like, frantically typing into Google, like, punk anime or... And I finally just went back through their Facebook page and just scrolled through, like, a year's worth of posts till I found what it was called. And here we are. Here we are. We yeah. have to do Perfect Blue, but we're going to have to punt on it because, like, it's not even available to steal, um, let yeah. alone able to legally It looks like it's like, it's like $200,000 to, to $15,000 on the internet, depending on how you're... Trying to acquire a DVD of it. Yeah, and TJ has a DVD, but he said, like, don't even bother with it because the subtitles are, like, almost totally illegible. Oh, yeah, so, okay. Yeah. So, so we'll just wait until it's in the spring. It's supposed to come out again. Yeah. So we'll do it then. But um, this movie, this movie starts, a bunch of shit happens, and then it ends. And it is so short. Mm-hmm. Like, it's. It's a really pleasurable experience to watch something that's wrapped... Like, it felt like it was ten minutes long. Oh, me. yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's, it's super rapid fire. There, there, are no, there are no downbeats in this movie. No, it's just all... Except maybe the very beginning. Yeah, it's all three chords, and that's all they know, and that's all they care to know. And they're just jamming through it. Like, the plot, such as it is, is uh, you open on the moon... With two naked people, one of whom has a television for a head. Yep. And one of them has a domino-esque eye spot. Yeah. We don't know who they are. They don't know who they are. And then they're on Earth in a car chase. Um, they they There's immediately a dick joke, uh, which they're, they both discover that they're naked. They don't know why. And she says, the cold isn't doing you any favors. Trust yeah. me. Uh, uh- I love, setting a theme for the whole for the whole film, dude. I love the two voice actors, the two leads in this. I think they're both perfect for what they're doing. Like, there's that like hyper, like super hyperactive punk, and then the uh, the kind of low key, uh, like hyper capable woman voice. You know what I'm talking about? Like, I'm trying oh, yeah, to yeah. think of a. She, now, is she voiced by the same woman that does Faye's voice in Cowboy Bebop, or is it just that they sound very similar? It is a similar, yeah, it's, it's okay. a definitely similar tone. But yeah, it's it, she She couldn't, I mean, she's like a, a Daria-style character. Yeah, yeah. She or, couldn't care less about anything that's going on. She kicks incredible ass, but she's bored the entire time. She, uh, she reminds me of like a, a lot of um, the comic book Tank Girl. Like, not oh, yeah, so yeah. much... Th- I mean, the movie I like, but the movie's not great. But the, that aesthetic, I think, is pretty heavy in this film. Yes. Definitely agree. Um, yeah. Yeah, they end up on Earth, and they immediately uh, rob a bank. Yeah, because they need food. And then they carjack a car, and everyone on Earth that's not them is looks exactly the same. It's all these, like uh, like factory stamped salary men yeah 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 which i thought was really cool because they're all they're all fairly like expressionless and vacant yeah as well as looking the same like they they don't really seem to even notice that the world is happening i mean yeah it's it's a really cool it's a cool commentary on sort of the i don't know like the conformist nature of the society that they're re-entering into 
Yeah, and it's it's a shame that we can't use the term NPC anymore because fucking douchebags ruined it for everybody. But, like, in the kind of classic sense of, like, the non-player character, this is what they are. They're the people you get the fucking quest from. Right, yeah. Yeah, and they, and, and they don't even do that, really. They, I mean, they're completely functionless. Yeah. And it's, it's, which is fantastic because then we get this brilliant chase scene where they are uh, being pursued by the police. Um, and then it's just like rapid, uh, chaotic gunfire. <laughs> one of, one of many chases in this movie, since yeah, this movie yeah. is, is mostly chases. Yeah, it's like Fury uh, Road. Yeah. Um, it's a, it's a movie that, and even as much as I love movies and I try not to do it, it's like one of the few movies I've seen in a long time at home where I didn't look at my telephone at all because I was so afraid I would miss something. Oh yeah, no, you can't, you can't look up from this. It's only 55 minutes long, and if you look up, you've missed uh, at least five jokes, gags, or something. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then... So they get arrested right, uh, for their crime spree, and they get hauled off to the moon, and the moon is, uh, is like, shattered. It looks like, the, it looks like a crescent moon with tiny stone moon pieces floating around it. Yeah, it looks like it's been hit by a missile of some sort. Some kind of very large, like, atomic weapon. And it's, uh, it, but now it's a moon prison work complex. I mean, it's kind of like a, an industrial uh, hard labor camp, basically. Yeah, it's like uh, the Temple of Doom, or anything you've seen like that, where it's just a bunch of people. The way that the, we're gonna be all over the place probably talking about this, and the movie's all over the place, so I don't think that should be a problem. But the way that the, the hard labor is presented as they're, like, they're being moved while the conveyor's being moved. Like, they're moving in one direction and the conveyor's moving in the other. And they're just hammering shit as they go, like, really tickled me. And I'm not sure why. Oh, well, because it's, like, it, it takes even the, uh, the vague sort of veil of purpose behind it. Yeah. Because I think, I mean, I think the, the, the whole hard labor concept is somehow that, like, you're completing a task as part of your penance to society, and right. therefore, uh, uh, you're, you're, you know, becoming a better person. But this is, this is just sort of directly acknowledging that, hey, the, the prison system is bullshit. These yeah. people are just, like, digging holes and filling them back in. Right. And that's, that's the work they're doing just that is meaningless. what they're supposed to do. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're also forced to shit <laughs> into into tubes. I love all the fucking the caterpillar imagery because there's a there's a point sometime soon where Pandy, who is the female lead, has a flashback about either reading or being read of like a nursery rhyme about caterpillars, and they're all in these like these straight jacket papooses with only a hole in their ass and a hole in their head for them. Yeah, and um. I'm sorry. Yeah, they're all. I mean, they're all made. They're all wrapped up like this, which makes which makes the imprisonment more. It makes the whole thing kind of comical. I mean, it, the the animation for this movie is is extremely like big and broad and all over the place. Uh, we 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 are soon to meet a, a young man who's in prison who has a, a gold drill for a penis. I, I think. And I could be mistaken, that's supposed to be an oblique reference to Tetsuo the Iron Man. Is it really? I oh, think that's so, because he does have, like, like a very ghastly drill penis, and it's, like, not played for laughs the way it is in this. 
because he has sex with someone in that movie, and it's like very, very rough. Oh yeah, yeah. But in that... here, and this movie also kind of plays with uh, homosexuality in kind of a fun way that they don't do in Japan very often. It isn't like lampooned as much. I mean, it's still yeah. kind of silly, but like the whole movie silly. And and this is kind of something we'll probably talk about with some of the nudity and stuff later. Because the whole movie is over the top and bonkers, like all the kind of tropish stuff that's in here seems less so. Like all the, even though it's like basically the same action, it seems more egalitarian. And I don't know if that's just kind of me bringing my like punk baggage to it. No, I think it's I think it's like it's a self-aware uh, kind of it's just a it, it's an anarchy. They're like, hey, look, we yeah, we know what all the things are. We get it. We get all the tropes and the touchstones and everything. They're all going into this thing and they're all going to be boiled down to what it is, which is just th- this is about chaos and about just like skirting every possible rule, whether it's within the society in the film or within sort of society at large. Um I mean, it really, it what it what it felt like to me was like a movie that a movie that embodied what MTV maybe represented in the early '80s. Yeah, this this, this this idea of resistance against what we believed was the way television worked, and yeah, this was yeah. a resistance against what uh, an anime movie should be. I meant to mention this to you, I think, when I was watching it, that like. I'm baffled that this wasn't on liquid television in some form or another, or, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, there's a, and I guess maybe the kind of punk thing in Japan, I think, took off a little bit later. And it's it's the same thing that it was here. It's kind of this, like, re, like you said, this rebellion against an oppressive society. And I, I think that, like, the, you know, the carbon copy salary men and the, the working in prison for the sake of working kind of thing. Like, I think that all feeds into it. This feels like a very, like, almost like 70s American underground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I made a note that this remind like, there there is a scene where they're walking through the hallway, uh, and this is a little bit further down, but they've broken out of their straitjackets. They're walking down the hallway with a posse of these other prisoners, and it's very much like a Fritz the Cat. yeah kind of layout like they're doing the broad leg swing where the and the foot is coming close to the camera you're kind of low set um yeah it's definitely like it's it it this movie knows a lot about what animation has been and it's also just you know it's it's not it's not just telling a story with cartoons it's really resisting i think the expectations of what an anime is supposed to be yeah and it's a it's a movie that in not the same way that Paprika was, but in the same kind of spirit. Um, and I talked about this, I think, on the other show with Into the Spider-Verse. It's a movie that takes advantage of the fact that it's animated versus just trying to make a movie that is a drawing, if that makes any sense. Yeah, no, absolutely. This, I mean, this, one of the protagonists has a television for a head. Yeah. And, and we see uh, just a broad array of incredible weird looking character models in this movie and yeah it's 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 his style it's like it's intentionally stylish it knows it knows that it has no rules because of the nature of it and it doesn't try to follow the rules people expect which which is really cool i mean i i you know (laughs) you can't you can't applaud that enough because it is this is the most unconventional thing we have watched and one of the most satisfying and they it's not even that the animation's like particular. Well, the animation's really good, but 
but it's not particularly complex, but like the the amount of kind of craft they put into making each individual like of the prisoners look different or weird like you, you it's easier to latch on to these people who you really spend like very little time with overall. I mean, it's, the movie's an hour long. Oh um, yeah. Yeah. That it's it's so much easier to identify and care with the people because there's like something distinct about each one versus like, you know, I, whatever um Captain Harlock where the movie's four and a half hours long, but everybody looks and exact looks and acts exactly the same. So it's hard to like have any stakes for them if if that makes any sense. Oh yeah, no, I mean there's a there there's there's short like this movie is written pictographically with for shorthand. So you know who the doctor is, and you know who Drill Dick is, <laughs> and you know who Pandy is, and you know who uh Retro is, and like and I mean, like I, I can, I can close my eyes and picture. Uh, I think what seven, 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 and six, 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 or whatever the two. Yeah. The the bebop and rocksteady heavies of this movie. Uh, the 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 main boss at the end. I mean, all all of these things. Everything is uh, is so iconic, and the movie plays with this because you know we mentioned the the faceless suits. There are also faceless like prison guards that come in pretty soon in in the plot line to where we to where we stopped but they function in a similar way which is they're just fodder and and i don't know it's it's weird because you wouldn't think that the deaths of these completely insignificant characters that have only existed for two minutes of screen time would would matter but when some of these guys get just like ground into mush you know, they always they they have some sort of quirky cartoon line that they get to say. They're drawn interestingly, and then it's it's sad when they die. Yeah, the, all the prisoners are like intensely likable. Yeah, and that's oh that, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like a rare thing for a fully developed movie, let alone like again, what's basically like an extended music video. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> sorry, yeah, sorry. I, I lost you for a second. Um, <laughs> Do you want, can we talk about how they escape from the straitjackets? Because, like, I legitimately laughed out loud at the 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 kind of coda line to it. Yeah, yeah. Well, you you talk about it. Oh, so the Pandy and Retro have been selled together. Not only are they in straitjackets, but the rooms are padded. It's like every, like, prison and an insane asylum trope are all happening at once. And uh, Retro starts feeling a bit frisky. And, like, it's it's hard to to kind of determine, but it seems like they're both kind of into it, even though they don't really know each other. But I think that's part of, that's part of the, the genius of this movie is, like, it feels like people can form bonds really quickly. And, like, we just talked about how you kind of are attached to the characters right away. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I think that's kind of like a, a similar aspect. But he goes to put I, it in the fart hole, and it goes into her fart hole, which she's like, the old wrong hole fool. Right. And then yep. they do it, and their orgasmic ecstasy blows the fucking, the straitjackets off, like, and then they, uh, which which comes into play later, they deprogram their uh, restraining collars or whatever. And one of the prisoners goes... That was some amazing boot knocking. <laughs> That's right. And I think, was that the one that sounds like Paul Lind? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah. I, 
the thing because I will I will oh, say and there's also a, a drill dick joke here because they're all watching the prisoner's like yeah put one in there for me and he's like okay and he fucks him to death <laughs> god yeah I I mean uh, the thing is with with sex in this movie like this isn't I guess like you could be offended if if you were really looking to be offended but it is so campy and and yeah it's very clear that that the retro and pandy know each other and that something's up because they they basically have just bonded they're like okay well we we might as well we don't have anything else to do right so we're going to fuck now and then they get out of everything and then it's just this and that's it's sort of the sex scene kind of sets off the chain reaction that is the rest of the plot of the movie um yeah but everything's so over the top or like playfully grotesque like i would find it hard to get mad at anything that happened in this movie yeah, well, you you can't because I don't I don't think there's there's never like there's not a moment of malice in this movie from those two characters like other than directed at what are what are clearly bad guys. Yeah, I mean, I I guess stealing stuff is is problematic, but uh, you know that the world they're stealing from is is dull and shitty. So, uh, so yeah, so they so. Uh, now that they've sex broke themselves out, all the other prisoners want to know, Hey, how do I, how do we get our collars off? How'd you guys do that? And they become, uh, ersatz revolutionaries leading a jailbreak. Yeah. And, uh, the two, they're called the gene cluster twins. It's a triple six and triple seven. Okay. Um, they're ready for this. They're kind of like the sub bosses, like the lieutenants of the prison. They're big mutants. One has blades for hands, and one's like made out of guns. Yeah, and earlier, earlier in the film, one of them like flicked one of the prisoners uh, so hard that he flew against the wall and exploded. <laughs> yeah, triple uh, seven is shorthand for like the the penitent criminal or the penitent like evil person. Uh, oh, yeah. You know how he's always like saying a prayer. Yeah, okay, that makes more, yeah, that makes a lot well, of sense. not only that, and I assume this is intentional, the bad one is triple six, the mark of the beast, and the good one is triple seven, the perfect number. Ah. But the good one's not good, either. No, they're, they're just, both bad. They're well, both horrible assholes. <laughs> right, but one's like the, uh, the more dogmatic of the two, I guess. Um, yeah. Yeah, so they set, uh, some robots out, and this is, uh... Retro and Pandy innately know where to go all the time, but then they have to stop and ask each other why they know which way to go. Like, it's yeah, just more of that amnesia trope, the, like, the, you know, the born identity type shit, but it's like, again, it's played for laughs. Because everything happens so quickly in this that, it, yeah, there's not, like, a long scene of them, like, well, what, how do we, how could we possibly know this? Yeah. It's like, yeah. no, we just, how do we know this? Nah, okay, I guess we do. And then they, they uh, like, they steal a train and go to the armory, which they also know how to get to. And then there's a beat later on where they turn around and it's like, why is everybody so fucking drunk? <laughs> like, oh yeah, the liquor store is, or the, whatever it was, is right next to the armory. Right. Um, but no, it's like, it's a lot of them fighting their way through hallways with just, like, unloading millions of bullets. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, until they hijack the train. One guy knows how to operate the train for whatever reason. There's an old, like, World War II, like, style Patton guy that's, like, operating a cannon that's also on the train, like, part of a tank. That's right. His name is Sarge. Oh, okay. Yep. 
Um, again, like, everything's so, like, shorthand, but it's so, like, wonderfully shorthand. Like, it's so, everything's lampshaded, but not annoying, because, like, I feel like if this happened in a live-action movie, it would be annoying. You know, there'd be a lot of, like, winking and, like, you know, shots directly on center to camera. But oh, just, sure, like, yeah. like, we talked about it, it's going a million miles an hour, so it doesn't, it doesn't have time to get annoying. No, this, this movie doesn't, this movie doesn't wait for anything to happen. It's, it's a constant flow of water. Like, it is just a rushing river of, of events. And yeah, and I, I, what I love is the action sequences are really satisfying because you never, you never really have a sense of where you are necessarily. I mean, you know that, like, you're with the train or you know that you're with the group of, of prisoners as they're escaping. Um, but you're never, you're never stuck in a position where, like, there's a scope or any, like, the stakes are very immediate, and they're constantly being fulfilled with everything that happens. Yeah. There's a there's a scene that comes up here shortly. It's, like, one of my favorite things. It's so brilliant. Like, uh, um, I, I might be overselling it, but I really love this. There's an old doctor that knows who they are. And is like, you really don't know who you are? And he begins to exposit their entire backstory. But as he's doing it, Pandy is having an internal monologue over top of it so you don't get to hear like almost any of it you just kind of hear her babbling to herself yeah you just hear you hear him say you guys were uh special agents yeah who were working at this factory where they're genetically creating super monsters uh and then and then yeah and then she starts thinking over it <laughs> and you and you hear the channels cross and he starts fading out and it's just like oh yeah okay uh, yeah it was perfect because it, it it acknowledges that that doesn't matter like the it's this movie is like a video game in a lot of ways too it's like a like a classic like 80s video game it's like yeah. well what's the what's the deep story behind galaga but right. nobody gives a fuck like it's just galaga like i'm going to shoot the things on the screen and that's what they're doing <laughs> I, this scene, like, I love that scene so much I can't even describe. It's just so funny and so note-perfect because we've all sat through John Hurt in a lab coat explaining to you the history of the Who's a Fudge. And oh, yeah, it's, yeah. it's almost like the audience. Like, it's like she's the circuit for the audience that's getting bored listening to the exposition. Yeah, she doesn't need the techno babble. No. And that's and that's the point. I and I think that's yeah, I mean that's the commentary there is like, hey, we you and I have now watched uh, uh 10 movies or so preceding this that have prolonged this is what's been going on <laughs> explanations. Yeah. And, you know, and in some cases they were really interesting and valuable, but a lot of cases it's just like, okay, yeah, that was a long way of saying that this is the way it is cuz it needs to be for the movie. Yeah. Uh when when they get to the train, uh, there was a uh, Fantasy Island reference. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> one of the prisoners says, the train, the train, <laughs> like tattoo. Which is a, uh, which a was, 40-year-old joke at this point. Yeah, like it's, <laughs> this, is a two, this is a mid-2000s movie. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, we're going we're gonna to drop Hervé Villachez on everybody. <laughs> um, I thought that was great. Uh, yeah. So yeah, so they so they basically don't hear their story, um, and uh, now now the the six 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 and seven 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 are are loading up, yeah, to pursue, and then we cut oh. to finding out that Pandy is pregnant, right? Like hysterically pregnant. <laughs> like, yeah, she's like nine months pregnant, like forty minutes after. 
Uh, and everybody's like, wow, that was fast. How did that happen? <laughs> Retro's but, like, uh, we only just had sex like five minutes ago. There, it, 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 What's great is in the movie time, it's like less time has actually passed even than the time that has passed between us seeing that and not. Because yeah. I think there's actually like 15 minutes of actual movie. But they, but they feel that only a couple minutes have passed, well, which is totally believable. Takes place in real time, which is also fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Um, again, it's like everything. I know we we're probably saying the same thing a lot, but it's it's so propulsive. Like everything has momentum. Like there is, like it, if it's not there to immediately move whatever they're doing forward, it doesn't need to be in the movie. It's like it's so lean. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I mean this. This really. This just has. Hey, they they had a. They enter with a basic conceit. Here are your two characters. They don't remember who they are. They're going back to Earth for clothes and food. Yeah. And now they're in prison, <laughs> and that's it. And it's just one. It's just like it is. It's just dominoes falling, um, perfectly. So, uh, yeah. So this is where they they fight. Each one of them gets their own fight. Uh, Retro has triple uh, seven. And Pandy has triple six. Yes. Uh, Pandy has been using her lipstick grenades, which is like the oh-so kind of like uh, like riot girl thing to do. Yeah, yeah. She, she's got like a, a like a uh, whatever that thing's called around your leg. A bandolier? Yeah, yeah I guess. That, well, no, I yeah. don't know what the thigh, the, the Rob Liefeld thing, whatever that's called. Yeah, yeah, she's got one of those. Um, uh, so when the when the two when those two big guards get the drop on everybody, they like slaughter us a bunch of inmates again. Yeah. One of the inmates yells, "Al, my wiener." <laughs> I mean, this is the thing: is there like if you listen to this closely, there is an insane number of just adorable little jokes in there. Yeah, <laughs> people's last words are all just. Silly. Um, uh, during the fight with um, with uh, Retro and Triple Seven, there's a first of all, there's an, a visual allusion to a phrase I say all the time, which is "fuck him right in the neck." Yeah, that's that's how Drill Guy ultimately uh, dies. He gets stuck, fucking yeah. him in the neck, and in just a hilarious like if you've ever operated a drill and had it bind on you. That's what happens, but he begins to rotate instead, like counter-rotate around his own dick, which might be the most brilliant thing ever put to film. Yeah, yeah, he's just, he's he's stuck and he's just spinning freely, and then uh, and then the triple seven just flicks him and he explodes. Yeah. Which is a bummer, because I was really sad to see the, the drill guy die. Uh, but, it, but fortunately, this buys Retro enough time to hack a robot, which he turns into a mech. Yeah. And, and uh, <laughs> and then, good. yeah. Well, their, their, their showdown is this just hilarious, like, bigger, more guns thing. Yeah, it turns into, like, the Butter Battle book. Or, if you're not familiar with that reference, the, uh, that Itchy and Scratchy, where they keep pulling out bigger guns. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, they, and they just, they, like, <laughs> eventually it is just this absurd, like, uh, to to quote something that someone said on the on the uh, Justice League podcast, there's like a, a digital rain of bullets in to cover up <laughs> the lack of special effects. Like there is so much, so many bullets happening, just going back and forth. Uh, yeah, and then it just it just so happens that that uh, Retro survives, yeah, and yeah. Uh, and Triple Seven is is 
shot to ribbons. Yeah, and then Pandy, uh, well, Triple Six kind of gets hoisted on his own petard. His blades get stuck in the ground, and he gets exploded by one of the previously mentioned lipstick grenades. That's right. But they both, they're still alive. They're just both heads. Yeah, they, they're able to, like, somehow move their heads along the floor to yeah. to come over and hang out because, because uh, yeah, we uh, we then find out that the real villain of the whole thing is the warden's daughter. <laughs> this reveal is so fucking hysterical because, like, and I, we're not spoiling the movie for you. Like, go, go and watch it. But this reveal... <laughs> Where Retro turns around and goes, so what, is she your sister or your daughter? What's going on? This is so fucking confusing. Right? <laughs> and, there's, and, there, and that's never answered. No. Like, the, the, warden's, the warden's daughter could be her sister, could be her mother, could be her own daughter. Uh, doesn't matter. She's, like, uh, she's just an amalgamation of, of every sort of anime villain at the end. Yeah. There's She's a, got. We forgot to mention they had been in. They found out they had been in cryostasis for eight years, which people are constantly mentioning, and they just don't care. Like a Pandy at one point, is like, I don't give a shit what happened for the last eight years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it, yeah. It's it's. <laughs> they don't they don't care at all, and and yeah. So they were they were special agents who were working for the warden, and they discovered that the warden was making. Mutants? Yeah. And so yeah. they tried to run away. That is the titular Dead Leaves program, apparently. Right. Yeah. So then they try to run away, and they end up getting captured and put in cryostasis. And then dropped off eight years later? Yeah. And that's it. Yeah, and uh, Pandy's eye contains one of these uh, mutant gene clusters. Okay. That, uh, that makes a lot of They're sense. trying to get back. Gotcha. And uh, the daughter, again, of course she's, like, totally naked because she's in an anime for, like, no reason. And, like, every part of her is some kind of gun or something because she's just, like, she stands there and basically transforms into other shit for, like, five minutes straight. Oh, yeah, She's, like, announcing, like, all her vengeance plans. Yeah, she's, uh, uh, yeah, she has, like, a, a sword arm and a laser leg and... Just it's just what what's weird is that she has like just one like fleshy exposed breast and then the yeah, rest yeah. of her is effectively uh, an amalgamation of machines. Right, uh, that's for us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're like, hey, this is but this is why you're here. And uh, Pandy again has a great moment here where she's like, "This is fucking boring. I don't want to fight you. I'm leaving." Yeah. <laughs> and she tries to which, leave. At which point the uh, the the daughter rips Retro's head off. Yeah. Uh, forcing Pandy to fight. Which is a nice kind of inversion of the women refrigerators trope. Yeah. Yeah, because she... Well, she actually thinks that he's dead. I mean, yeah. it, and and it appears that he is dead, at least for three minutes. Yeah. <laughs> and so, meanwhile, they're fighting. Um, and then we... Uh, uh, we have the greatest uh, re- reveal we've ever seen. Which is the, the baby <laughs> arm coming out of... <laughs> Andy's vagina with a pistol holding a pistol <laughs> that then shoots the daughter in the chest blows her away yeah yeah <laughs> to when to, at this point I which believe... has got to be an overfiend reference right like 
I don't know, but like I was genuinely like gobsmacked because you kind of forget she's pregnant, uh, like unless somebody directly mentions it because the character model tends to fluctuate a little bit. Because, yeah, she like, was in some scenes she's very pregnant, and some of the other ones it's not so much. Yeah, when she discovered she was pregnant, she's on the table and looks extremely pregnant. Yeah, and then for most of the sequences of the fights, she has like a little bump. Right. But she's always kind of arching her back and kind of, she's sort of a, a little uh, sort of hunched over and stuff. So it's really, yeah, it's impossible to tell. Um, and yeah, and then so here you go. Just the the, the mutant uh, baby that they've conceived has, has now gunned down the main, the main boss of the movie. And then the boss turns into a gigantic caterpillar. And Panny's like, oh, like that story I keep talking about. Yeah. <laughs> Which is another... <laughs> You know how there was a plot to this? Yeah. This thing is referencing that plot. <laughs> uh, there's actually kind of like a sweet and like sort of sad moment that happens here. Because the baby like... Well, first of all, he comes out as like a full beefy ass man with speakers on his head. Yeah. And a gun. But he also like ages like so rapidly by the time he goes to kind of dispatch of the giant caterpillar monster... Um, which, it, like, kind of reminded me of there's a graphic novel by Doug to Tenapple, Tenapple, whatever his name is, that did, uh, Eek a Cat and Earthworm Jim and stuff called Creature Tech, which is really good. Okay. And they have a giant space seal, kind of reminded me of that. But the, like, their baby is, like, ancient. He's become, like, this kind of wizened old man. Yeah, and he has, uh, he has what looks like... A third eye. Well, there's a third eye, but it's also like speakers for ears. Yeah, they're like they're like upright, upright speakers for ears. Yeah, like that, old... yeah, and you watch and you watch those because what's cool is with with this character model specifically, like there, there's a lot of empathy because it changes so much, and you really see the way that age is is altering it. And I yeah, I, I'm with you 100 percent on that. Um, yeah. uh, I was gonna add because when the uh, when the when the uh, the dead daughter becomes the robot or the giant caterpillar. I think retro says it's growing faster than a stiffy on a 14 year old. Yeah, it did. He did say that just another of the quality dick jokes in this film. <laughs> oh man. They're like, like relentless. Yeah. yeah it's right. I, I couldn't write them all down. Yeah. One or two would be groaning, but they're just like so ubiquitous. Like it again becomes like kind of charming. The other thing that's ubiquitous, the 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 big callback phrase of this movie is "that's so messed up." People say <laughs> "that's so messed up" every two minutes. Somebody gets flicked and exploded. That's so messed up. <laughs> She's pregnant. And, that's so messed up. It's, and they're right. Yeah. <laughs> um. Uh. Yeah. So they're they're fighting the caterpillar, and then the their mutant baby sacrifices itself. Yeah. yeah flies into the caterpillar's mouth and explodes it from the inside out. He has his first and last words, which again is like sort of sad for like, it's a, it's a really bittersweet moment in like this like hyperkinetic goofball slapstick movie. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it, it lands perfectly. I mean, it yeah. was, it, it, it did mean something. I was like, Oh, there's, there's emotional depth here. And this is, this is how you do it. You can do this chaos and still have emotional depth. Right. Um, so yeah, so they're thrown, they're kind of, they have to go to a ship to escape they get into the spaceship, they're flying back towards Earth, and then the ship gets hit with parts of the moon that came off, I think. Oh, yeah. Uh, 
And so they end up in escape pods that look pretty much exactly like the uh, straight jacket cocoon things they were in before that they have to uh, yeah. get repelled down to Earth on. And that's and the then, end of the movie. And then it ends. It just kind of ends. It just kind of ends. Like they they don't even they don't even land. It's like they're coming down and then credits. Yeah. No coda. No epilogue. No. No. It just all right. Story's over. Yep. I'm shocked, and, you know, I'm not, like, super deep into anime, that, like, I've never heard of this thing. Like, this seems like shit you would have, maybe, I don't know, maybe if we were, like, 17 in 2004 or something, maybe I'd know about it. But, like, I couldn't imagine it's, like, a 24 or 23-year-old, like, not hearing about this. Yeah, no, I'm surprised, too. Because this seems like it would be among the list of things you must see when, yeah. like, you... Get to I don't know whenever whenever you meet the people who watch anime or whenever you get in like steeped in the culture, this has got to be because this is like it's it's a love letter and it's also a land deconstruction. Yeah, yeah, it's it yeah it's and it's it's really it's really fantastic. Um, the other way I described it is it's like uh, Grand Theft Auto on PCP. Yeah, I mean that's uh, I, yeah it's just. I don't think we can capture the energy of this. Uh, no, in, no, in no talking way. about it because it's just so rapid fire. I mean, I could uh, I could record it and like upload it at like one and a half speed, like the the podcast. Maybe yeah, there we go. Yeah, listen to it at one and a half speed if you've got that feature, and maybe uh, you'll kind of get the get with it. But like, man, I haven't been with a with a movie like this in a long time. Like, it's something like. It really resonated with me, like, like in my soul. Like, and I don't know if it's just because it's, like, all the shit I love. And, like, I know we talk about this. We've talked about it a bit on the show. You know, I talk about it a lot. Is like, just lean fiction. Like, just get rid of the fat. Just get get me from point A to point B. Yeah. Yeah. And this, this does that exceptionally well. Yeah. And, like, there's not a dull moment. Like, I... There's nothing I, I could really criticize. Like, I could watch another half an hour of this. You know what I mean? It might be hard to keep that pace up for another 30 minutes. I think that's the only thing. That's kind of... I I left it with, man, that was the perfect length because I, I don't know how they would how they would keep going. Yeah. But um, it's, again, it's like a... It's an old punk album, you know? It's like, you know, a Minor Threat album that's 37 minutes long or whatever. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's a, it's a collection of, you know, 90-second, two-minute songs... They're all fucking bangers. And then it's over. And then you can listen to it again if you want to. And you still, like... You can watch this twice in a row and still be, like, a little bit less time than an average feature film. Oh, yeah, no, and, and you won't... Uh, you won't be bored because the second time you watch it, you'll see a bunch of stuff that you didn't see before. Yeah. I mean, we, we've been watching... We've been watching anime movies where large crowds of people are kind of... Uh, just sort of they're just kind of matte painted in the background and and uh, the thing that's amazing is when you when you see some of the prison scenes especially the prison scene where they're all in like the shitting room yeah, um, yeah. Uh, everybody has a face yeah. like the like it, it takes you seven rows back before people stop having distinct features which is which is remarkable in and of itself um, especially because like we talked about the animation is so like hyperkinetic like it had to be like I, I'd be curious to know how many actual drawings they had to do for this. And like 
again, like, you know, you save time and animation besides, like, the uh, the Roger Myers method of just looping the background. Right. But, like, just by keep having, walking like, past that lady sweeping. <laughs> simple, easy to draw things. And, like, these are all, like, like I said, not complicated, but all, like, very distinct. So, you know, that that's a lot of work. Oh, yeah. Well, and, and, oh, man. And the, like, okay, the action sequences, because we didn't really bring this up, but they're... They do a lot of stuff where they play with that. They play with the aspect ratio and the way that they're displaying things. Yeah. So they were at like every action sequence will be uh, kind of a straight rolling through um, gunplay situation, and then suddenly you will get just shards of the screen dropped in, like you're like you're flying through panels in in an actual comic book. Right. Uh, that each one adds different information, and then it, and then it'll bl- you know it'll either match cut and blend into one image, or it will go com- a completely different direction. But they they really took care to make every part of this like fast moving, and I don't know. It's like everything is alive in this. There's not a moment where you just have. I mean, we wa- we watch movies so far where it's like, okay, so it's the one character walking in the middle of the static shot that that they have a background. Yeah, this is like everything is moving. The background is moving, you know. Yeah, it's it, and it, again, like it's something that at first glance it looks like just a bunch of insane notebook drawings, and it's like, oh, they probably bang this out in you know a month. But like when you really start to scratch the surface of it, it's like there's a lot of artistry and craft in this, like. A lot. And the soundtrack's fucking super propulsive. Like, everything fits in a way that's uncommon for movies, just in general. Just fiction in general. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, it's uh, it, it's it's fully alive and fully realized in a way that we nothing we've watched so far has been, except maybe Paprika last week. Yeah. I mean, it's... And it's again, uh, you know, it's, it's a weird companion piece. I'm kind of glad we watched them back-to-back. Both of these, I think... A lot of the a lot of the stuff we've watched has had like things on its mind, and the execution has been suspect in one way or another. But both of these like understand what they're trying to tell you, and like they do a very very good job in their respective ways. Like you know, Paprika is like a lot of like kind of ethereal and you know under the surface and guiding you through this like decay, and the other one is just smashing you right in the face with everything. But they're both perfect in what they're trying to do. And you know, I really appreciate that. Yeah. Oh, it's it. it, it these are these are generous uh, entrees of films, right? And I feel like we've we've been kind of nibbling on appetizers for some of the other things we've watched. I mean, uh, Harlock is a movie, for instance, that probably would have benefited from being fifty-five minutes long and moving this fast. I think yeah. we would have liked it if it were. Because really, all the pieces, the pieces are almost the same. Inexplicable arrival in a world, there's a conflict situation, occupying force, battle, 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 victory, the end. Yeah. Uh, this just does it perfectly. And it doesn't, it doesn't assume, I think, I think what's nice, yeah, it, what's cool about it, it's, it's punk in that it assumes that everybody's smart enough to get it. Right. Right. Which is something that punk music tends to do. It's like, hey, I don't have to hit you over the head with this shit. Like, you get it. I get it. Just listen. It's good. Right. And if you don't get it, then it's not for you. It's for us. Right. It's like, it's inclusive in its exclusivity. Yeah. Yeah. And this movie, this movie doesn't, it, 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 
I mean, it so actively jokes about explaining itself because it doesn't want to and it doesn't need to. And it doesn't apologize for anything. But just like the, the prison scene where it's like they're doing this task because it should be in there. It's like, okay, we will have these scenes in the movie because that's how we understand a movie to function. We're just not going to do it in a way that we, that you might want us to. Right. They're, the, the like fucking Ben-Hur moment is... The, the guard killing the guy because he's shitting too much. And he's clogged, <laughs> his, he's clogged his poop tube. Yeah. Like, uh, there's not, it, it, it's not a, a bullied save the cat moment. It's like just as bonkers as possible on every, in every direction. And it, and it works. Right. It feels like, I think maybe I love it so much because it feels like something we would make or like we would, we would put out into the world. Like if it came across our desk, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, if somebody like, submitted a manuscript of this, yeah, uh, we would publish it immediately. Yeah. <laughs> like, I would I would love to see the fucking, st- like, the stage version of this. Like, I, yeah, I mean, I, like I've known to an extent that this is kind of like the, the Lars Breaks face stuff. Yeah. Like, just in tone and energy, right? Like, yeah. hey, we're not going to tell you where all this stuff came from. It happens. Enjoy it. Yeah, uh, this, is, this is another one of those things, too. I was trying to think about it. I was like... Could this function as a like a, a traditional live action movie? And I don't think it could. I mean, uh, the closest thing is you you posted a link about uh, with Robot Bastard. Oh yeah, the uh, by uh, who's the guy that made Scud the comic? Uh, well, I can't think of his name. I've been reading the whole series. Rob Schrab is the guy's name. Now, and that's the only live action parallel that I can that I can come up with. Right. Because they are very similar. Yeah. Yeah, actually, you know what? That's a good point. But I don't think anybody... I, I don't think you could do it otherwise. Like, it would it would have to be that aesthetic, and I don't know that that, ex- that aesthetic exists now because someone would probably go too big with it. It would end up looking like Valerian in the City of a yeah. Thousand Planets or whatever. My worst fear is that somehow Robert Rodriguez finds out about this movie and oh, tries God. to make it. Oh jeez, yeah. <laughs> Whatever happened to him? Oh man, like talk about just falling off a fucking cliff. Like it, it was like I love that guy. I mean, I love El Mariachi. I think Desperado is an even better movie. Desperado is excellent. Yeah, yeah. Um, from Dust Till Dawn, I really like. I even like uh, not Once Upon a Time in West. What the hell is the Desperado sequel called? It's something with West in it. I know a lot of people don't like it, but uh, Once oh, Upon a it- Time in Mexico. Yeah, that's right. Um, and then Sin City, I really like. Planet Terror, I like. Planet Terror, I like. I think Death Proof is the superior movie to those, which is funny because when it came out, I thought it was the other way around. Oh, sure. No, I mean, I think, yeah. Uh, Death, Proof, Death Proof could benefit from having 20 minutes less of conversation that doesn't go anywhere. Yeah. But otherwise, it is it is a more compelling compellingly charactered movie i think uh not to like get way off topic here but i think the biggest problem with death proof is quentin tarantino has no idea how to write or direct women like at all and he and he populated the story with all women yeah, <laughs> yeah. really that the whole thing with uh sydney poitier's daughter who's also named sydney poitier i believe that plays jungle julia yeah like every line she has is so fucking cringy i like, mean most of the lines are cringy. Yeah, like there, it's weird how how often they're sort of uh, intentionally sexualizing themselves. 
Yeah, then, it was supposed to be like a, a grindhouse thing, and I would like give it yeah. some slack, but like again, you know, with the exception of the bride, who basically he just wrote as like a man. Sure. It has a baby. Right. Like, like his female characters are not strong. This is a, like a kind of a a thing TJ and I have talked about before. He it's a hot take. Everybody, everybody thinks Quentin Tarantino is an ardent feminist. No, 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 not that. Like he's like, <laughs> and I'm not even trying to put that on there. That like, oh yeah, it's that he just doesn't understand how women talk. Like, like he's never been in a room with women that weren't like that had to be there because you know what I mean. Like, sure, like, he's sure. not friends with women, like groups of women, so he doesn't know how they interact with one another. Yeah, no, that, that makes a lot and of like, sense. And, like, I don't want to overgeneralize, but, I mean, in the same way that, like, you typically, you know, a male friend group acts. Like, he, it, like everything is, like, it's, like, very awkward and stilted. Kevin Smith has a, a similar problem when he directs women. Like, and if, if, if you want an example, go back and watch Zack and Miri make a porno and listen to every line Elizabeth Banks has. And, it, like, every delivery is so fucking bizarre because the material's like, eh. I mean, she can act. I've seen her in things and good, but she's like really bad in that movie. And I oh, mean, yeah. Joey Lauren Adams, who in Chasing Amy is a tough sit, man. Like going back to watch that movie, it's like, Eesh. but like he has a, a history of just not being able to handle f- female roles. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's fair because it, it is. It's uh, there. There's something that happens where, you know. I think both both directors are trying to create situations with the tone they want, but the tone that they have is specific to themselves. Yeah, and so it's and, so it, it, and it, it's it ultimately fits better on a man. Yeah, I, I that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it it's like yeah. You just I think they're both I think they're both guilty of uh, writing in their own voice, like oh, not they don't really sure. they don't populate another voice enough. And so it takes someone who's either really, really, like, geared up to to take that voice and turn it into their own voice. But, yeah, I mean, it's like all, all of Uma Thurman's, like, voiceover in, in Kill Bill. Yeah. Which, which reads like – it would read like Quentin Tarantino reading you the, the – like, hey, this is the log line for this section of the movie. Yeah. 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 Yeah, 100%. I mean, I love – don't get me wrong, I love almost all of his movies. Um, I'm kind of, I'm like middling on Hateful Eight. It's just, there's something about that movie just doesn't do it for me. I don't know if it's it's like insane length or like just the fact that there's like not a character that I feel like I can identify with at all. And like that's not the fault of the movie that, you know, that's on me. But like I just... None of the characters click with me, even though, like, it's all very well written and it looks great. It looks like an old John Ford movie. It's just, like, it just gets really Tarantino-y at the end. And there's something, there's some kind of, like, cognitive dissonance I have with him and Westerns. And I'm not sure what it is. Did you feel the same way with Django? Django is very long. Um, I, I think I've talked about this on the other show, so forgive me if it's something you already heard. His editor, who edited all his movies, her name was Sally Mankey. She died during principal photography on Django. So uh-huh. the last two movies he made, either he edited himself or somebody else, who probably isn't going to tell him very much, edited those two movies. And they both feel like really indulgent. And like they're very, I think probably between the two of them, they're six hours long. 
Oh, yeah, yeah. Just think about the scene in Django where he escapes again. Like, you know how that movie ends three times. Yeah. And he gets caught by the Australian slave traders where Quentin Tarantino puts himself in the movie. And it's like, you could cut, like, 40 minutes out of this movie. Oh, you absolutely could. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I was even going to make the point that, that, like, DiCaprio in that movie is good. Yeah. But he's having he's having a similar problem that I think we're talking about with with women in Tarantino films doing the dialogue, the Tarantino-esque retro western southern dialogue. Yeah. Because it's it 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 becomes kind of unwieldy in its self-referential uh slang uh, kitschiness, I guess. I I was talking to a buddy of mine the other day and uh who is a black dude and he's like really into movies. And I think I made the point that like, I feel like Leonardo DiCaprio would have done that movie for free just to say the N word that many times. Cause he seems very excited about it. Like, And I know that's, that's a function of the character or whatever, but like, man, he really steers into that. Oh yeah. Yeah. He's, he's, he's having a blast. Like yeah, too much of a blast. <laughs> <laughs> like he just couldn't wait. Like at some point, you get to do this in a movie. I mean, he is—he is the uh, proprietor of the Pussy Posse, which I think is something that we forget. Yeah, like it's odd to think of Tobey Maguire as like a real coxman. You know what I mean? Like, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm sure he fucks. He's famous. Like, and Lucas Haas. Yeah, like he's just getting the fucking the cast off Pinocchio. You know what I mean? Like nobody's like leading lean off Lucas Haas. That's like he's like a rule five pick, sure. <laughs> like, but like, but but yeah, I think it's I, I you know I, I find it interesting that you know DiCaprio is is elevated to this to this place of like you know he's the big actor guy. Yeah, he, it, he, it, he's it, still a member of something called the Pussy Posse, <laughs> and somehow yeah. this isn't a problem. Well, my favorite thing is that I know it's been talked about to death is how he took his like fucking G four to. Like a conference to lecture us about not using so much gas. Oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is that what the plane's called? G4, G5? I don't know. G4. One of them's a video game channel and one of them's a plane. So just f- pick whichever one was the correct for that. I think situation. five then. Okay. Yeah, G4 used to be the video game channel that went under. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, you know. And that's, yeah. It's tricky. It's like somebody's got to say something about it. And uh, we're not, no, none of us are that good at practicing what we preach. No, but like I also don't get on TV and lecture everybody about it either. That's true. That's true. You are, you, if, I, if I was going to say anything about Sean Grakowski to a stranger, <laughs> I would say Sean is not the type of guy to go on TV and lecture people about stuff. No, I'm like the worst vegetarian. <laughs> like I'm the only vegetarian that everybody's surprised to find out doesn't eat meat because I'd like, except for right at this moment, never talk about it. It just comes up all the time. People are like, I don't eat meat. I remember they, when, we then, met, like, when we met uh, in, in uh, Rehoboth and got pizza. Yeah. And I was like, oh, you know, you know, you know, cause you didn't want pepperoni or whatever. And I, I was surprised. I was just like, yeah. oh, I didn't just cause you don't, well, you're not, you're, yeah, you're not a preachy person about it. You're yeah. not like, oh man, think of all the fossil fuels we'd save if, we weren't raising so many cows. <laughs> Fucking, I remember some, like, like tangential buddy of ours said to TJ one time, I think, he's like, like he's Catholic and a vegetarian. Like, there's there's a mix you don't get very often. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, 
Um, but, oh, what the fuck were we talking about? Oh, anyway, <laughs> you want to do waifus for this? Yeah, I, let's do got... waifus for this. Okay. I, uh, uh, go ahead. I'm going to give it an eight. Ooh. I, uh, I, I think that, uh, honestly, like, I, I, I could have seen, I could have gone for another ten minutes that made, yeah. made the story a little more satisfyingly wrapped up. Or at least gave me more of an indication that this was just kind of the punk album aesthetic of like, oh, they're, they're going to crash land and they're going to have to go steal clothes again and they're going to get sent back to the moon prison. Oh, like a time as a flat circle thing? Yeah. I, I, yeah. I would have that's what I was kind of expecting. And I think that's honestly like I think that's what the ending's supposed to lead you to. But yeah, I could be I totally so too. mistaken. I mean, they come down in the same kind of pods. Yeah. <laughs> to the same place. Um, uh, yeah, and otherwise, I mean, it's... This is original. It is stylish. It is it is insanely fast paced. It never stops being interesting. At times, at, at times when I when I because I watched it like a, a one and a half times because I kind of went back and rewatched a couple scenes because I got I got a little overwhelmed in moments. Yeah. With like there's so much shit going on. I don't I don't even know what I just saw. Um. Uh, because th- there was an extent to which I was like, man, if I if I watch this for any longer, my brain's gonna break. Like this is this is going too fast. It, it is uh, an assault on the senses. Yeah, but it's like, it's like it, I mean, it's 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 an assault on the senses the way like a good punk record is, or the way like a good hot sauce is, right? Like it's extremely gratifying, even as you feel yourself going temporarily blind. <laughs> I also love that like in the voices. All the men are constantly screaming, and the women are just like very low key. Oh yeah, no, I mean, uh, just Pandy alone is yeah. she is steadfast, uh, just un unflappable. Like it, it is amazing to to watch this sort of just nonchalance play out. Yeah, she like she has that. She's just towing the line of being that like too much of like that badass woman. Because, I mean, she does have some, like, very human moments and, like, some emotional beats. But she's, like, just towing that line. And I think they do a really good job managing that without letting her fall into, like, total Sarah Connor territory. Yeah, well, and, and yeah, because she's never melodramatic, but she definitely reacts to things. I mean, she reacts to the pregnancy. Uh, she reacts to the to the sacrifice of, of the, the mutant uh, baby old man. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's a there's a lot of stuff that works here, um, and it is. I mean, it's it's just like you said. I mean, it, it, this is this is a reference point for anyone who thinks a movie has to be an hour and forty five minutes long and needs to have a long downbeat scene where the two people contemplate their meaning. When we paved through all of that and it worked, and and somehow they managed to fit like a coherent. In, in form, three-act structure into this movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Even though the first act and the third act are, like, between the two of them about seven minutes long. Well, yeah, they don't... And, and yeah, I mean, they, neither of those need anything. They're not... Like, we don't, we don't gain anything more by knowing, you know, knowing why the Caterpillar or anything, and we don't gain anything by knowing, you know, what... Where do they come from in the beginning and, and whatever. I mean, it's just... Stuff is just there for theirs sake, and that works perfectly. Yeah. Yeah, it's a 10 for me. Um, I'll, I'll kind of frame it in the same way that I framed uh, 
oh, sorry to bother you. Like, there are things we've watched on this show that are technically better. Mm -hmm. If you want to say, like, you know, objectively, and I don't want to get into a weird art conversation about how art's, like, totally subjective, but there there are some things in art that are objective. You know what I mean? Like, especially, like, something that's, like, a, a very... Uh, kind of universal art is like film, right? Sure. Um, but like, like both of these movies are so wholly unique and could only really be made by one person at like one specific moment that like th- that overrules any of like the technical or like kind of like story issues or like any of the things that you would pick out of a, a movie that wasn't so totally its own thing. Um, so yeah, like the, the, it's just, it's, it's uniqueness and kind of like it's, it's mundaneity, like, cause it's still like a very trope, it still functions, uh, uh, TJ always talks about this with Edgar Wright movies, like they function as a satire, but minus the satire, they still function as whatever the movie is that they're parodying, right? Right. So like, Shaun of the Dead is a satire of a zombie movie that still functions well as a zombie movie without the jokes uh hot fuzz oh, yeah. the same thing end of the uh the world's end the same thing yeah so, oh yeah like yeah so like i still feel like even without all the piss taking this would still be like a fu- it wouldn't be as good but it'd still be like a solid seven like popcorn action fest right oh absolutely yeah i mean it, with without the without the overt piss taking this is john wick too yeah yeah, exactly. I mean, and John Wick Two is taking some pisses itself. Yeah, um, like the, the 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 don't tell mom uh, you're touching me in the back of the van gunfight that him and Common have. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, that and I mean, just the the fact that they're trading shots like in the mall. Yeah, that's, and, that's yeah. I'm talking about where it's just like pfft, stop. Pfft, like, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it, yeah. That kind of uh, and and even just yeah, Ruby Rose's existence in it. Uh, yeah. Now, but, poop, oh my God, God, like. There's something just so perfect about that, like, total blending of the sexes that's going on in her. I realize she's not a, a man. However, yeah. like, she has, like, some kind of, like, traditionally masculine features, I think. She does, yeah. yeah. She, she proves the point that, like, you know, they've done studies, and, and so women who have more masculine faces tend to be viewed as attractive. Okay. And men who have more feminine faces tend to be viewed as attractive. Right. Because they want to be just, in the middle. Yeah, it's just moving toward the center. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, in in the same way, like this movie, this movie w- would effectively be John Wick too, because uh, right, right. they pretty much have the same plot. It's like we have to go and kill a bunch of things until we're done killing them. You know, and that's you, it. You know what it would be, and like it actually sort of reminded me of this for a moment. Do you ever play Mass Effect Two? I I haven't played any of those. Um, oh, okay, never mind. Sorry. Then, oh, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> so. But yeah, no, I I love this, and it might just be a personal thing. Your your mileage may vary, as they say. But man, was this perfect for me! Like this is just exactly the kind of thing I love. Like no expectations. Hell, the fucking box art doesn't even match the character models, depending on which box art you look at. Yeah, the one that the one that we saw, because I, I think we both watched this on Amazon. Yeah. Um. Yeah, because it's it's a much sketchier looking looking thing. And the actual animation is more akin to kind of again the the gorillas videos, yeah, with just a lot of wild angularness and exaggerated features and things like that. Uh, uh, mismatched animated, color palettes. 
by the same team that did the show uh, Fooly Cooly, that FLCL that used to run on uh, Adult Swim all the time. Oh, about okay. The girl with the Vespa. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, no, but, like, again, like, I can't recommend this enough, but I would understand if you didn't like it at all. Yeah, I mean, I, I uh, when I when I first wa- finished it, I was like, whoa, what the fuck was that? Yeah. Uh, and I went back and rewatched those, the scenes that I, that just kind of seemed to blow by. And the thing is, is it's really, you know, uh, yeah, I think it's a mileage may vary movie for sure, uh, in, in all fairness. Um, but it's a must see. Like it's, it's 55 minutes of your life. It, you can rent it for $2. Yeah. I bought it for the whopping, uh, princely sum of four yen. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's totally worth it. And, and to not see it is to deny yourself the opportunity to see something that is really novel. And, and again, like, it's just, it's just so punk. Like it knows what it's doing and then it subverts everything that it's doing with a smile on its face. Like it's just got shit eating grin the whole time. Yeah. It's one of those things, man. I think if this clicks with you, it's going to click with you in a big, big way or you're just going to hate it. I don't think there's going to be a lot of like, fence straddling for this movie you know well there's not i mean there there's no there there's no change in rhythm or pace to allow for that like, right a, a, a weaker movie takes takes the 10 minutes to have the two characters bond emotionally in an attempt to gather the audience that they think they're missing and this movie does not bother with no. at all it's like no <laughs> but uh cool man yeah uh, cool man uh i don't know what we're doing next did uh, you have any thoughts Let's see. I got I got a couple of recommendations, uh, and I don't know if these are series or not. But there's so there's some Ninja Scroll. Oh, Ninja Scroll. So Ninja Scroll is an anime by the guy who did uh, Goku Midnight Eye. Oh, and it was Uh-oh. one of the. Uh, we talked about this with Akira. One of those like everybody in college saw this. Okay. There is a scene, and we can watch it. Uh, it is certainly, it is a happening. Um, there is a scene where a woman is raped to death by a rock monster. Oh. Uh, I think, uh, Legend of the Overfiend possibly is the same guy, or, no, wait a minute. One of those two movies is the same guy that did Ninja Scroll. Um, now I'm getting them mixed up. Okay. I don't, I don't know. I mean, maybe we should at some point, but I, I'm not that excited about that. <laughs> I mean, that's not the crux of the movie, but, like, that does happen. The movie is also insanely violent. Okay. Uh, what about Violet, Violet Evergarden? Is that a thing you're familiar with? Not at all. What's it about? I, I don't know. Okay, let's watch that. Is it available? I, it appears to be available on Netflix. Um, it might be a series, though, now that I'm looking. Okay. That's not really going to work. Ah, uh, shoot. What was the other thing? Paranoia Agent? Is that Yeah, Paranoia Agent's a show. That's uh okay. that's the guy that did um what's the movie we just watched? Paprika. Oh uh, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Okay, it's his his show. Yeah. Satoshi Cone, that's the guy's name. Thirteen episodes of that. That show is excellent though. I, I would suggest you just watch that at least on your own. Okay, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, so those are the recommendations I had. You, we should, yeah, we should pick something that's at least not something that you already know has a violent rape scene in it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know what? Like, I never thought I'd have to say this for public record, but, like, I need a break from rape for a while. Yeah, 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 no, that, I don't, I really yeah. don't want to, uh, 
to just keep watching them back to back. It's kind of it's like really it's really just hurting. <laughs> I forget me. who said it, and it was like kind of a crass way to put it, but they're I think they're talking about Alan Moore. They're like, rape is a spice you gotta use like very carefully. Like it's like truffle oil in fiction, not in real life. In in real life, don't I don't know, I don't have to tell you, don't rape anybody. Yeah. Um, uh, no shit. But in people. fiction, it's like something like, Man, you better really deliver if you do this. Like the story better be specifically about that. Like and like the consequences on either side of it. Like, don't just use it just to use it. Like, it's just not... We get, there, there are other ways to get to your destination than yeah. that. Yeah, it's really... Yeah, no. Uh, I agree with you completely, and I think it's too... Uh, it's lazy. I, 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 well, yeah, it's really lazy, and I think the good examples are like... Cormac McCarthy uses violence, whether it's rape or other, well yeah. in, his, in his storytelling. Because he knows that you just need to have it happen once, and it is menacing and powerful enough that if uh, basically if you if you keep doing it over and over again, it loses its meaning. Right. And uh, you know, it, desensitization uh, is a thing. Like you just stop noticing that it's there, and that makes it bad. That's a bad thing. Yeah. Um. What? Okay. How about how about let's see. So I got a I got a couple of a couple of ideas here. I'm looking at. Anime films available on Netflix. Okay. So we, we could try watching something called Flavors of Youth. Is it, it about out. calm? <laughs> I, I don't think so. <laughs> I, I can't tell. Uh, three stories of youth from different cities in China. Memories locked in a bowl of steaming noodles. A fading beauty discovering her way. And a bittersweet first love. Sounds artsy-fartsy. Next. Okay. Uh, <laughs> What about, uh, let's see, there's another, there's one called Godzilla, Planet of the Monsters. Is that recent? Yeah, it's from, uh, it's from 2017. Yeah, I think Netflix made that. Okay. What the about... Takes to the stars and abandons Earth after Godzilla wreaks havoc on the planet. What about, a check on there, I think, uh, I've heard good things about this, it's called Jinro the Wolf Brigade. Okay. Do you see it on there? It's on Crackle. Okay. Yeah, I'd, I'd be down for that. You want to do that? The movie Jinro is about those in a society who are predators among prey. Yeah. But these beasts never bother to change their shape. Hopefully they mean predators like, ah, predators and not like fuck predators because, again... Yeah, I really don't want to do the rape thing again, if possible, but... Yeah, yeah, we need to uh, take a high rapist. <laughs> so... that, was a, that was a questionable portmanteau at best. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's getting late. <laughs> yeah. And I have to piss so bad. All right, <laughs> like... let's do the, uh, let, we'll do the Jinro Wolf Brigade. Okay. And then maybe after that we can watch that artsy-fartsy thing. Yeah, we'll do, we'll, we, we gotta do a, a, a bang em up but... Before we do artsy, because I want to watch Grave of the Fireflies at some point too. Ooh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So great. All right, well, dude. Uh, and unfortunately, I didn't. I didn't manage to do any any live action. I didn't get to. I didn't get to Venom. We did rent and watch Crazy Rich Asians last night. Okay. Uh, which it was. It was fine. It was. Is it? Know. Is it what you thought it was? You know, honestly, I think it. I think it was better than what I was kind of expecting because it's. It really is taking. Uh, 
it's it does to an extent what what Dead Leaves does by saying, hey, we we know how a romantic comedy movie goes when it's white people. Yeah. And we know how a princess film goes when it's white people. So we're making one. Okay. It, it, it the film closes on like a, a very like a big celebration scene. There's a proposal as as to be expected, um, but there's a there's a really big like fireworks scene, and there's a cover of Coldplay's Yellow in <laughs> uh, in uh, I guess it's it's in Singapore. So is that intentional I, or am I like oh no it's too it's crass of a joke. it's like it's definitely like them putting a pin in the whole thing like haha we get we win we get this one. We're claiming this. Um, yeah, it was. Okay. I, I thought it was. You know, it, it it was fun. It was it was worth seeing. It wasn't boring. Uh, yeah, because somebody asked me if I was going to see it, or I was like, no. And they're like, what? Because they're Asian. I'm like, well, that was weird that you jumped to that. But no, I just don't like fucking studio made romantic comedies. Like, I don't know why. Like, that was just a weird thing to jump to. Oh yeah, yeah. No, it's just. I mean, it's it's really just kind of a, a Cinderella kind of story. Like, okay. it's pretty much just a fairy tale. Um, but it's, it's funny. It, it pokes fun at itself. It, it has a lot of kind of, I guess they are telling Asian stereotype jokes about themselves to each other in a way. Okay. It also, it also undercuts all of the things you would expect too. So yeah. All right. You know, I, I wait until it's on Netflix or something. You don't necessarily have to rent it, but I, I, you should check it out some night when you just need something to zone out to. Okay. All right. All right, brother. All right. I'll see you soon. I love you. See you later. All right. Love you. Bye. Bye.